All right, folks. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook like a lot of us are, uh, and also Twitter to a lesser extent. And I, and I enjoy looking at what's going on with my friends and such. And I also belong to various different groups. And there are political groups. There are religious groups. Uh, there are mountain biking groups. There's, uh, you know... Say guy- vegan groups. All vegan right, there you groups, go. Yeah, there you go. Vegan groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but, but the, the major thing, and that's really a very minor part of my, my interest. I just wanted to tease you. But I find myself gravitating toward the politi- political discussions and, also, uh, and even more so the, um, the God discussions. And there are more than a couple of uh, Facebook uh, groups <clears throat> that focus on this uh, deism versus uh, atheism issue or theism versus atheism. And, and I find I've now been discussing issues with people in these groups, and I'm, I'm notice, noticing a lot of patterns. One of them is that they typically don't write very much. They don't have very logical responses when you present them with ideas about holes in their logic. And, I, and I'm not going to drill down yet on that. I'm simply saying that they usually have one-liners. There's a lot of swearing by the, by the atheists. The theists do not swear. The people who believe, um, and I'm using the word theist because that's the uh, phraseology, meaning, you know, somebody that, that you, if you believe that a creator created the universe, you're a theist. Okay, and whether it's, you know, the God of the Bible or you also believe in Jesus as the Son of God, that's not the issue for the time being. It's the issue of whether or not there is a, a, a deity in charge of everything. Anyway, they swear we don't. It's, it's really remarkable. And we engage. We ask questions. Um, you know, look, of course, they ask rhetorical questions that are very nasty. So technically speaking, they ask questions. But it's, it's really quite shallow in the terms. Now, this is my opinion. I understand that I have a perspective. You can say I have a bias. I get that. But really, I, I have noticed, I would say that posing a question on any of these Facebook uh, face groups and such are, is really, you're, you're going into battle with some very nasty people. It is very rare that you have an atheist who will be uh, respectful and want to listen to your uh, to your points. I posted just recently, for example, a question to atheists as to whether they can conceive the possibility that somebody who believes in God has come to believe in God through science and logic alone. Okay? Because I have. Right? I, I think you have. And you're nodding your head. Yeah, yes. Absolutely, yes, right? I wasn't I know, sure if you wanted me I know, to No, it's okay. Dennis Prager has. I know a lot of people who have, who have come directly, uh, sorry, have come solely, exclusively through uh, science and logic to the, the notion that there is a ruler of the universe, that somebody who's, who's created the universe at the very least. You can get into whether or not that this is the same God as the God of the Bible. I, yes, I believe that, but for different reasons. We talked about this before. You can get into whether or not Jesus is, is the Son of God, that, but, let's not, but that's not the point. The point is whether there's, start off first with the question, is there a God, period? All right, call him whatever you want, a creator, you know, uh, Allah if you want, I guess. Uh, but, but whatever it is, is there somebody in charge? And, and th- we came there logically, you and I. So I posed that question because it, it dawned on me that most atheists, 
and I, and I can say this as a former atheist because I know how they think, they perceive fools like us to, be, to have come to God because we're afraid of the big bad world out there, that we want to know that there's an afterlife out there because we're just so darned afraid of, of a world without God that, that doesn't kind of take care of everything, that doesn't explain this big bad universe. And it's a, it's a very random and a scary place, my friend. So, you know, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but we are the realists. We know that when we die, we become worm food. I don't like it any more than you do, but that's the way it is. This is the way the atheist thinks about the believer. Always has, always will. There, there's, there's no shaping that. So when I pose that question, can you accept the possibility that somebody came to God exclusively through science and logic? People just didn't know what to do with that because they, they had never even contemplated the question. They had made the assumption uh, that this is the way the believers believe because they, you know, either because they want to believe that this is how believers believe because it's so cartoonishly fun and easy to deal with. You know, you believe in unicorns. What's next? Do you believe in Santa Claus, you know, leprechauns and such like that? It's the same thing, don't you know? So this is, this is the way they have always perceived you, the believer. And I want you to know that, my believing friends who listen to this podcast, this is the way they think of you. And so I, I really wanted to kind of elevate their, I, I want to bust the assumptions. We do this a lot in law. I want to, I, I tell clients a lot <clears throat> that they, there, there are certain assumptions that they're making about the way the law works, the way things, you know, the, the tremendous number of things that people think. I, uh, one of the assumptions is that people think that if you offer up a nice settlement, then the judge will be impressed with you and like you more. Like, that's an assumption that every client makes, and it's always wrong, <laughs> right? Settlement discussions are absolutely privileged. They're confidential. You cannot bring it up to the judge or a jury, and it doesn't work that way. So I bust that assumption. Now, I want to bust the assumption of how people think about, about believers. And I say, and that's why I say, can you conceive that? Did it ever enter your mind? that we can come to God through logic and science. And, I, you know, a couple of people say, I suppose that's possible, but literally only a couple of people and, and almost everyone else. I mean, I'm talking about hundreds of people say, no, it's not possible. And then they, and, and then here's the interesting part of it. <clears throat> they, they demand that you show all the logic and science that brought you to God. And I, and I respond back to them and say, look, that's not the point of this. I'm asking you, can you conceive of that possibility? And then they try to mock me. And they say, well, he's not even answering the question about the science and logic. I said, listen, we, we've talked about that on other posts before, and I'm happy to talk to you about another, uh, on another post one day. I'm, I'm asking the question. It's my post. <laughs> Just answer that question. And, they, and Ari, you can't even ask the question. That's the point. And it's, I, I find that fascinating. And it's not just when it comes to God. It's about so many things that we're dealing with uh, in the lefty world. And unfortunately, or maybe, maybe it's not unfortunately, it's just maybe it makes sense. So much of the left and uh, the atheists are, they seem to be saying the same thing. They, 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 are, they go hand in hand. 
very often. I would, I would say they're not saying the same things. They're behaving the same way. Right. They're processing right. the same way. And that's why when you talk to somebody about, I don't know, building a wall, Trump's building a wall or something, they, the first thing they say is you're a racist, you're, you're, you're a Nazi, you know, God, God knows what they're going to say about you. Right. And or, or if you say that you are uh, not for gay marriage, they'll say that you're a homophobe. Like, OK. And you try to drill down with it. And if you were to ask them the, the, the gay marriage question, for example, the equivalent would be something like, um, do you wonder whether or not there are consequences to changing the entire edifice of marriage to include uh, same sex marriage? Uh, they don't want to hear that question. They certainly don't want to answer the question. They want to simply point to you and call you the evil bastard that you are, in their opinion, in their mind, and what they've always uh, believed. This is what allows them, by the way, to be so animated. This is what allows them to destroy your business. This is what allows them to actually go into the streets and riot. Um, Ferguson is a great example of what we're talking about, right? You can say, you say, well, the question there would be, could it be that the police officer was acting correctly or reasonably in light of this big man named Michael Brown coming to him and punching him in the face? Could it be if those are the facts that maybe he did the right thing, he the officer? And, uh, but they don't want to answer that question. They don't want to deal with the question. You can't even answer, ask the question. So, uh, you know, I was once tempted in a, uh, there was an anti-Israel rally at one point, and I, I stumbled upon it. And I asked the question, and I said, uh, what do we say to those people? I pretended to be one of them. And I said, what do we say to those people who argue that Israel is the only democracy in the Middle East, and they're the ones who have the, you know, who treat gays the best, and minorities the best, and women the best, and so forth, and that they're an open society, and the Palestinians are not. They, they, they shot me down so hard and, I, and I, I pretended as if I was one of them. They didn't think I was not. And they said, we don't even want to hear that question. They literally said that. Because that's not the issue for them. Their, their issue, the issue was something far different. They had a different agenda. It's about agenda, and it's not about questions. And, and part of the issue with them is keeping the issue from ever being discussed. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's what it is. They don't want to, because questions lead to answers. Uh, in my old company, we used to have a motto, which is the questions are more important than the answers, right? They, uh, likewise in law, when you, the hallmark of a great lawyer is not knowing the law. You understand that. It's not, you know, how, how great a, a smiler he is to the jury and how much charm he has um, or, or how well he dresses or how well he writes even for that matter. It's none of those things. The hallmark of a great lawyer is somebody who can spot the issues. In other words, someone who understands what the questions really are. And if you understand the questions, the answers come pretty quickly. But to even know what the question is, to see that as an issue, is huge. Now, here's an example. I mean, you, you have a, uh, uh, you know, we, we had a case where some guy had um, a major lawsuit, a fraud lawsuit against my clients. And, uh, and they had, the, the, my clients had shopped this around to different lawyers here and there, but they wanted to talk to me because they heard about me on the radio and, hey, Brock, what do you think about this? And we looked at it 
and we, we spotted an issue that no one else had seen, and it was a dispositive issue. The fact is that the guys had filed for bankruptcy, that the plaintiff had filed for bankruptcy, and he didn't own this lawsuit by definition. So that's the issue when you, when you spot it, and then you ask whether or not he has the right to even move forward with that. That's the question, and the answer clearly is no. And so we, we won. We completely changed the whole dynamic. That's what makes us good lawyers. I mean, at least we, we were certainly good lawyers on that day. We, found, we spotted the issues. We asked the right questions. But if you're just told, you know, file this complaint and then defend that complaint and then file these motions back and forth with ever, without ever asking the simplest questions, like, has the statute of limitations expired? Is this contract in writing? Uh, it, sometimes that matters. Um, and, you know, did the, did the plaintiff file for bankruptcy? These are, these are big issues, and among so many other issues. Yeah, and to bridge that to the political realm, we're always asking questions of the left's ideology. So when we hear something like, um, such and such policy will kill children, we ask the question, well, what are the liberal policies that are currently in place that liberals are defending that kill children? And shouldn't we address those? Right. Right. Well, I mean, uh, or, or, you know, the, or the other question is like, I mean, a more simple question, uh, since you're talking about abortion, um, do you think that there is a point um, after which it is unacceptable to kill a baby? Right. So and then you and then or a question like, OK, is it OK to kill a baby one day before he's born? Um, and if the answer is yes, well, then is it OK to kill that same baby the, the day after he's born. And if so, then what's the difference? What's the magic here? Well, because, you know, previously he was in the womb and, and he was owned by the mother. I mean, he was part of the mother. Is that your thinking? Whatever it is, I mean, but just the question alone, they'll demur to the question. They refuse to answer the question because they, they don't like the slippery slope. I mean, Hillary Clinton famously, famously um, rejected the late-term abortions bill that and voted against it precisely because she didn't want to deal with it. She said it's a slippery slope. Well, slippery slope to what? Right? I mean, why not say I'm against, uh, you know, finding, I'm against criminalizing murder because somebody, the slippery slope might mean that, that you'll find that abortion is murder too, and therefore I don't like that. So why don't we go all the way? It, it, it's, it's that simple. I mean, they just refuse to consider the questions at all. And, and still going uh, to the abortion issue, why not kill, allow people to kill babies uh, after, after the born until they're two? I mean, Peter Singer and uh, either, either Christopher Hitchens or uh, Dawkins, I forget which one, uh, they, they said it was perfectly fine, you know, in the interest of society. And if it, particularly if, if the child was uh, a Down syndrome child, for example, it's, uh, it's appropriate to kill the child. And the parent should have that right. So, but the question is, you know, what do you think about that? Should you be able to kill a child? Um, at, you know, the very early stages. Why is it, why is birth the, 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 somehow the litmus test? What does that matter? It's an arbitrary date. And for that matter, if you go into the, the three-month rule, which, which is that you can have an abortion up to three months, and then you decide, you know, not to have an abortion for those three months, but, the, but then three months and a day passes... Well, suddenly it's, it's criminal, it's, it's homicide. 
Well, why? What, is, what, is, what difference does a day make, as, as they say? And, and these are uncomfortable questions for people who are pro-choice or pro-abortion, we should say. They're very uncomfortable. They don't want to answer those questions because it means they'll have to think it through. Well, they'll have to think it through, and it also means that they will inevitably conclude that their virtue signaling is worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, you write in your new book, forthcoming book, Atheism Kills, about the, uh, the God impulse. Yes. In other words, people have an innate natural programming within them to connect with their creator. Right. right. And somehow uh, live a, a life connected with this creator. And those who suppress the impulse to connect with the real creator inevitably and predictably connect with false gods, whether it's the god of big government or ideological um, belief about this issue or that. You know, they, they misplace the affection the same way we've talked about before, that many people who don't uh, have children to give affection to misplace their affection, give it to a dog or a cat. Right. Well, it's the same thing with this. So many of these people want to live virtuous lives. They have the virtue. Uh, you have the, the God impulse. They have the virtue impulse. And they live their life believing in their own moral superiority and their own moral infallibility. And the second the door is opened down the hallway to these conversations, it inevitably leads to them realizing the values that they hold are in complete contradiction to actual virtue yeah. and will reveal to them, like a mirror held up, and they'll finally see themselves for real, how evil they've become and are. Right. And they can't stand that. Well, they, they can't stand the contradiction. They don't, I mean, look, liberalism, I should say leftism, uh, is one big bag of contradictions. It's um, one big bag of irony. We've, uh, we've, we had a whole podcast about this called... Uh, um, the, the Democrats are the party of irony, right? They only deliver irony. That's all they've ever delivered. Um, and, and I mean that in, in the true, full sense of the word irony, because irony is defined by achieving the exact result, uh, opposite result of what you intend, right? So <laughs> that's all that you have. Obamacare was supposed to reduce all um, medical costs and and uh, avoid fraud and everything, and, and all the good things that they promised. Yeah, and the minimum wage is there so everyone can have a good job and a living wage. Right, and it, it, yeah. it back, backfires completely. It, it does exactly the opposite of what they hope for. And then after the facts kind of come in, uh, when the facts don't arrive in the train, at, at the train station, like I, like I like to say as, as a metaphor, when they, they, they don't come to the train station, <laughs> they say, well, it'll come on the next train, <laughs> right? Or something like that. I mean, I, I joked around on... Yeah, that old saying about yeah. communism. Well, it just hasn't been tried right. right. We'll wait for the next train. Right. That's, that's right. what it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's very frustrating to deal with them because you, you say, well, now it, it, you've been proven wrong. Can you acknowledge that this is just not a way to go? Maybe, maybe another government program will do it, but this program certainly didn't work. Can you at least acknowledge this? And there's the question, and they don't want to deal with it. And uh, so they don't want to deal with that. They can, then you can say, well... Can you agree that, that the initial impetus for Obamacare, for example, or minimum wage or affirmative action was flawed? Can you, can you agree that there were big mistakes made in the advancing of these 
different policies that I just mentioned. And they, the, my God, that question is terrifying to them, right? I mean, just think of it. These are uncomfortable questions. Right. And if it wasn't on Facebook, shielded by IP addresses and great uh, vast distances, you could very well be subject to a violent assault from these people, right. which is represented by their stream of profanity. Yeah. It's, it is so true. The, the profanity is uh, really remarkable. A lot of these, uh, these responses, I, I, sometimes I'll say, listen, I'll just cut you off from this uh, posting, but just be respectful. I mean, I'm always respectful to them, and I don't know why you're not respectful to, to me about this, I'm, and I'm just posing a question. But that's, that's the point. You can't even ask the question. The same sort of thing with, um, oh, you name it, and any, any, anything that, that the... Uh, liberal holds near and dear, um, whatever that might be. The whole transgender thing, of course. Uh, recently, Trump, President Trump, uh, banned transgenders from the military. Well, let's let's just make our language a little clearer. Reversed Obama's recent decision. Yes, that's right? true. Let's, that's uh, true. It's, it's not like he just banned them out of nowhere. Yeah, it's forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, like like somehow he was transgenders were doing just fine in the military. Right. Now they're and slaves. It's, 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 yeah, it's the status quo has been has been totally upset. You know, it's very bizarre. Anyway, so um, but the question to them is 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 simple, which is, do you think that uh, that there might be consequences to having transgenders in the military? You know what is what is it about that? Did did you ever think about this? I mean, can you imagine if you're a woman in, in the military, you want to go in the military, and all of a sudden you're told that you have to accept this man John, uh, who now wants to call, you to call him Jane, <laughs> and he has male body parts, and he wants to shower with you, <laughs> okay? Because that's what, I mean, they're open showers most of the time. They're walking around naked um, in in these uh, in these locker rooms. Yeah, toilets, uh, public toilets with no dividers between. Yeah, them not necessarily the right. Privy. And it's just it's weird, right? And yeah. and. Did you ever think about how the women feel about this? That they may feel threatened? I don't care if John claims that he feels like a woman. He's got a penis, okay? And there are issues with that. And by the way, you know, what if you have a woman who, God forbid, had been raped once when she was young, okay? And she's got an issue. She's got a fear about this. And, and you're now forcing her to have a man... Uh, in her in, in the barracks, and I'm not going to play this game. Oh, you mean women because he, he feels like what? No, that's a man. Okay, he's got male body parts. He's a man. Okay, until he has a transgender operation, and even then, I, 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 he's just he's weird. <laughs> that's that's it to me, because he's still a man on the inside. He won't be able to develop a womb, right? He won't he won't have a period. He won't develop eggs, right? He won't have he won't be able to produce milk ever. He won't like Stan from Life of Brian. He will not have a baby. He will not have a baby, no matter how much he wants one. Right. Now, so so you can make make him look like a woman on the outside, yeah, sure. And then you have to pump him with all the hormones and everything. But g- give me a break. The, the the brain is not a female brain. The insides are not female. There are different organs. There's a huge difference. It's a it's such a, a farce. The whole thing is farce. The fact that we're even having a, a, a controversy on these yeah, issues a national is, conversation on this idiocy. It, it's I, I can't. I mean, I, like I said in a recent email, I said like, well, can you believe? You know, let's pretend that different epochs of time, right? Are in a group, okay? <laughs> All right. Here are the guys from the twenty, the year twenty ten. Here are the guys from the year t- two thousand five. Here are the guys from nineteen ninety five, right? And they're all, and 
and I, and the years from, you know, in the same way that you go to a, a, a college reunion, right? Right. Here's your group from the class of 2005. Yeah. Here's your group from the class of 1985, right? And they get to look at each other, right? <laughs> so the class of 1985, so to speak, is looking at us, the class of 2017, and saying, what are you guys talking about? Uh, we're talking about whether men should be able to be in women's uh, locker rooms. And, and it's, it's cool. It's totally cool. What, you guys didn't do that in 1985? No, you guys are crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's the way to look at this. Yeah, and then, and then the crazy people, the people taking the crazy point of view are calling us crazy. Right. Right, you you are the bastard. You yeah. are the George Takei is calling us yeah. crazy. Lena Dunham, child molester, right. is calling us crazy. Yeah, and and everyone's missing two huge points on this. And this is where the left immolates itself on because you ask the question, you go down the that hallway through that door that's now been opened, and it falls apart. Number one, didn't we just spend all of the years since Sandy Hook happened? In, in uh, 2012-2013, arguing that the insane shouldn't be anywhere near a gun, Yeah. number one. And number two, when did it become a civil right to put someone on a battlefield to die, and that is considered being on their side? Right. So, I mean, you're banning... Such and such from the military, right? From military service. Isn't that doing them an enormous favor? Well, yes. No, no, seriously. I, I, I understand. I understand. But yeah. it's, it's they'll, first of all, they're, not every time that a, a, a military person goes to the military uh, do they go into combat. Most people who are in the military. I know some are potato peelers. I get it. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. Most of them don't go into combat. Right. Uh, women do not go into combat. Well, they shouldn't be going to combat. It's recently been changed. That's another crazy issue. But nevertheless, you know, to ask the question of uh, might there be consequences of women fighting alongside men, because there are consequences uh, to that, and might there be consequences to having transgendered people uh, in, in the opposite sex's uh, bar- barracks and shower rooms and such like that? Might there be consequences of all sorts of things? I mean, my God, it's just they never think about that. And that's the easy way to look at it. Same thing with minimum wage. Same thing with affirmative action. These are unhealthy questions. Uh, sorry, the questions that they, they're uncomfortable questions to anybody. The, the, the assumption is affirmative action is such a wondrous, great thing that it has helped so many people. It has brought uh, blacks and minorities of all kinds, never mind that they're still rioting about uh, uh, everything. So which is it? Is racism still alive? Well, if it's still alive, then I would say that affirmative action has obviously failed. Right, because if it's, it's been around for more than fifty years now, so if if racism is so endemic to our society, then let's get rid of affirmative action for the very least, because we know we know that it doesn't work. Yeah, it must be causing all these. Uh, it, yeah, it might very shooting, it might very well be causing it. No, but putting that kind of humor to the side, at the very least, we know that affirmative action has negative consequences. Obviously, you're displacing people that are otherwise would be entitled to that college position to that uh, graduate position, or for that matter, that job, whatever it might be, or the promotion within the company, because he's white and he's not a minority and it ain't fair. So at the very least, get rid of it so that we don't have all the, the, the problems associated with affirmative action. But no, no, no. No, the, 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 the assumption is that it's, such a, it's a wondrous thing, and why aren't you taking the correct position? That's their question. 
Um, same thing with a minimum wage. You, I mean, minimum wage, I, I, you know I always love to talk about that because it's so emblematic of everything that's wrong in leftism. And you can't even ask a question about it. You're only allowed to say, well, is $15 too high or $16 that appropriate or $14, whatever. So that's what you're allowed to kind of play with a little bit. I think it should be no more than $10 an hour. Well, you know, it should be more because, uh, because you know, these days uh, the price, you can't even buy a cup of coffee for $10 or whatever. You know, that's the, the argument. Like, and we're saying there shouldn't be any minimum wage at all. Crazy people. I mean, you're nuts. And, and to think that there's no consequences to it. But then my favorite question, I think may, you maybe uh, have asked this before, Ari, which is, well, why not $100 an hour if well, it's so great? The, the question I asked, I think, is even better. And I, I asked this as background from other podcasts as a political strategy I for try, Republicans. I, wait, I try to give him credit. I try to say, I think that he gave this question about why not $100 an hour. And then he has to, he has to undo it himself. And he says, no, I ask, I'm going to ask an even better question. Yeah, it was, well, it was better. <laughs> <laughs> better than yourself. <laughs> All right, go. But you have to understand, I love me. Um, I asked, why not 20000 an hour? Yes, of you course. Know, a, a, an amount so out there. Right, you know that, but uh, the argument is, well, then the person will only have to work four hours a year. Isn't that great? What? <laughs> why wouldn't that work? Right. Well, and of course, liberals, of course, respond to you. Well, that's not going to work. Why not? Yes. Explain to me well, why not. They haven't even thought of the scenario. That's the thing. Hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or, as you say, twenty thousand dollars an hour. It never dawned on them to even think about that there might be some number. Uh, you know, beyond which it's just too much. Yes. But $15 for some reason, that's, that's enough. You know why? Because they've looked at every, one, every business owner's books and records and they've been able to say that, yep, yeah, he's solvent enough. He can handle those, that $15 an hour for all of his employees. Yep, he's ready to go. All these liberal schmucks who, who proclaim that they know that $15 an hour is so great, they've, they've analyzed everybody's businesses. They know. I love it. I just, uh, the, the, the hubris, no, I would say the arrogance when people tell you that $15 an hour is a living wage and this is what the employer should do. Uh, and then putting aside, even if you did do that, right? Like, okay, well, gosh, what do you think that might lead to, guys? Um, you know, any uh, higher prices, for sure. Um, fi people being fired and um, automation. And if you don't have any of those things, well, then... Uh, certainly, you're just enticing people to look at illegal immigration as a way of of getting their uh, their employees working and getting their businesses working, right? That's that's what you, what's inevitably going to happen, or some combination of those things, right? I, I mean, even today, I think there was this article from uh, AJC.com. Yeah, that's what it was, AJC.com, uh, talking about how robot stock boys are are now going to be roaming aisles at the grocery store chain. Why? Because it's going to be a lot easier. It's going to be cheaper. You know, the, the employer is now incentivized to invest in robots, uh, even though there's an initial outlay that's going to be somewhat expensive. But in the long run, in fact, not that long of, of a run, they're going to be able to easily make that uh, cost back. Why, you ask? Because they don't have to pay $15 a friggin' hour. And, and, it, and not only that, but they don't have to worry about those robots suing them later on for sexual <laughs> harassment or whatever, right? And for age discrimination or whatever, race discrimination. And they don't have to, you know, worry about sick days or vacation days and overtime and all the things that people... And then, of course, payroll. Uh, I mean, it, it's amazing. An employee 
costs money to an employer. Surprise, okay? And you make it more onerous. There's a point where the employer will say, uncle, okay, I give up. I'll get the friggin' robot, all right? And, and by the way, it's not just robots. It's, it's simpler things like the, um, the pay stations at the parking yeah, uh, kiosks. Yeah, kiosks yeah. where you you basically have to you know punch your ticket in. That the ticket lady, you know, the automated voice tells you you owe three dollars, right? And then you put in your credit card, and they always have somebody on hand. You can press a button if it doesn't work through, and they have to come down from the fifteenth floor of the building, and you have to wait, and everyone else is honking you from behind. But but you get the point. It's it's automation. You're only incentivizing people to automate. I mean, it was, it was really very funny. I had a guy, a friend of mine, who's a, kind of a squishy conservative. Let's let put him a moderate. I think he's actually secretly a liberal. And he was talking about how great minimum wage was. And I said, well, what? And I said, it, it's, it's, it's been a great bonus for automation, for innovation, is what he said. Innovation. I said, in what way? And he described the things that I already knew and, and I've already been talking to you about before and, and we're talking about right now. The, the uh, parking lot uh, kiosks and the robots and everything else. And I say, you understand that that's not the point of minimum wage. <laughs> the point of minimum wage is supposedly to give more, more money in each of these people's pockets and they can go home and spend it on whatever. And, but, but instead, you're just going to lay them all off. And he, he, he just looked at me like, oh, I didn't think about that part of it. Well, why do you think they're doing this innovation? Anyway. To ask the question, do you think there are any consequences to minimum wage? That's, a, again, another uncomfortable question you can't even ask in the first place. But if you were to ask, I, don't you think that minimum wage might actually end up hurting the very people it's supposed to help and, and might have consequences if you can just think about it? Uh, they'll, they'll demur again and they'll say, you know, you are a greedy bastard, a capitalist, you're the, exactly the kind of problem that we're having here. You should be very happy to pay $15 an hour. P.S. I pay way more than $15 an hour. You know why? Because the market demands it. That's why. I, I, they, it's, it, they don't even understand the notion of the market. Yeah, but you're also not employing people to sweep floors and yeah. do menial labor, and that's what and that's what they don't understand is. But, but the, the, there's the a market market. for those people too. That's right, and um, you know it's it, we were talking before about how when you open these doors and start these conversations, it's like the the leftists, our, our political adversary, is soaked in gasoline, and they know based on the fact that their virtue is going to be destroyed, it's like setting off a spark when they're soaked in gasoline and the fumes are coming off of them. Yeah. And they're going to, they know they're going to emulate. And it's going to hurt. Yeah, that's right. It, these questions are uh, flammable. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, I guess they're triggers. They're triggers. It's, or it's, it's, explosive. Yeah, that's, <laughs> the, that's the word I'm looking for. They are explosive. <laughs> um, extremely, extremely dangerous questions. They don't want it. And, and that's why they, they'd really rather that no conservatives be around because, you know, they're evil, first of all. But this, this is the main reason why they don't want conservatives around, right? Because they might threaten, they, make, they might cause you to ask questions about your very ideology, right? Yes, right? yes. And look, every single liberal who has become a conservative, and there are many. It, There's it, two sitting in this room right now. That's right, a good, good example. Uh, every single one of us, who has been a liberal and, and has turned to a conservative, have become conservative for the same 
reason. The reason is that we accepted the question and we decided to answer it. That's why. Okay? Whatever that question might have been, there was some question that was somehow laid at our, at our laps and we decided, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take a gander. Yeah, and can I make a confession about it? Yeah. Because this is to assuage the fear of liberals. That question hurt. Yeah. It was painful. That's true. And you know, in my case, and I think we've talked before about this, it doesn't get answered right away. My, the question for me was asked when I was 19, and it was answered when I was 22. Yeah. Took almost two years, took over two years for that question to be answered of day in, day out, change, agonizing, evolutionary, you know, uh, what do they call that, uh, adaptation right. within myself philosophically, the, yeah. philosophically. You know, it was, it was a period of time of intellectual, emotional, and philosophical disruption. Yeah. And I can understand. I empathize. I understand people don't want to go through that. Yeah. Okay, it's it's not pleasant. Well, it's you kind know? of it's, it's like it's like a drug addict quitting drugs. There's a period of time where it's going to be really it's, hard. It's, it's going to be really hard. Uh, it's cognitive dissonance uh, that they're always living with. It must be very painful for the liberal and for the atheist, for that matter. They, they they think that they're not. I mean, in fairness to them, they think they're living very consistent lives, but they aren't. Right. I mean, the, the liberal uh, who champions pure socialism, because that's if you ask them. What is their perfect universe? Or that's how, the question that was right, asked to me. A, yeah. yeah. What does it look like to you? You know, describe. Go. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the picture on a day-to-day level, and and it's it's all this basically utopia stuff. And they and but at the same time, they believe in hard work and they expect a lot of money for you know entertainers in, in particular. They expect a lot of money for their their good hard work, and I don't blame them for it. They should get their hard hard earned money, and they get pissed off at somebody who who's lazy, right? <laughs> That's very inconsistent with your beliefs, my friend. If you believe everyone should get everything, and and everyone should get C's instead of you know. Uh, uh, you know, everyone should just go home with C's instead of A's, B's, C's, and D's and F's, depending on how hard they, they studied. Well, then, okay, you're, you're living a very inconsistent world. And for me, the question was a, a very different one. On the liberal to conservative side, I had an easier time, I think, because I was always, from an economics point of view, I began to understand that... Um, I mean, I knew early on that it made no sense. This socialism business made, made no sense. Whenever government got involved, I, it, it, I was proven again and again. Even from my freshman year, uh, I knew that socialism was was BS, and that the less government you had on your backs, the the richer the country became. And I looked at America and I said, "We're, we're kicking ass." I wonder why, <laughs> right? And one of the main reasons is, in fact, probably the main reason is that we're a capitalist country that loves God, uh, and other countries are mired down, bogged down in rules, and they don't believe in God. Okay, I, so I then asked the question: Well, why is that so? Why are we developing our economy so so well? Why are we so such great innovators and such? All right, well then that was very easy because we we have far fewer regulations, and we don't have the government on our backs all the time, and we are allowed to be masters of our own destiny. You know, QED, we, I was done. So that was not so hard. But you know what was really hard, Ari? My moment that you, that you had, that you described, came about switching from being an atheist to a believer. That was hard. 
I had really dedicated myself uh, to pure atheism. Uh, I knew that all you believers were just idiots, and I just, I knew everything, okay? Uh, and then somebody posed the question about where does your free will come from? Do you believe in free will? And if so, where does it come from? And I, I couldn't answer the question because I did believe in free will. That, that was very clear yeah, to me. You couldn't answer the question I in couldn't. the context and the framework of your existing belief system. Right, because, because, because a, anybody in philosophy will tell you this. This is basic philosophy, uh, literally philosophy 101, where you can't have free will without free will being bestowed upon you by a higher, an unknown source. Okay? It just, you'll come to that conclusion at the end of any philosophy uh, section. And the question is whether you believe in free will or no free will, which no free will is known as determinism, meaning that everything is just a, a, a function of something that happened before it. We're playing a pre-recorded uh, compact disc, and we just... We don't know what the next song is, but it's already on the disc, well, and the disc well, is being played. No, that's that's predeterminism. I'm t- no, determinism means that uh, all your actions are the result of previous actions. So if I if I punch you right now in the face, your your face will tilt a certain way. You might even bleed, and you'll say the reason why he's bleeding and why he's you know he's broken his jaw is because of the punch that Baruch you know threw upon, imposed upon Ari. There you go. Determinism. One action led to the other, right? And you might even fall to the ground uh, and so on. And it's because and th- I put too much salt on your popcorn. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's a reference to my book. Uh, that's right. So, but, but it begs the question, okay, then, then you ask, well, what caused Barak to punch Ari? Maybe Ari said something to me that bothered me so much, so I punched him. Okay, it's a real-life story, okay? It hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry to bring up this uh, painful episode that we had. No, of course, we didn't have this episode. But anyway, but, it, but what, you know, the re- why am I a lawyer? Well, the reason why you're a lawyer is because, you know, you, you were brought up by parents who loved you and such like that. Okay, and so everything is... is Caused by something that preceded it, and no, no decision is a, a truly volitional act, and I don't buy that. I never bought that, and and all the while was an, I was an atheist. I still didn't buy it, but I never thought of it. I never, I never, never wrapped up that question. I knew that it was an inconsistency, but when somebody actually pointed it out to me, I I decided to study it, and then. After reading Dostoevsky and uh, other um, philosophers, but mainly Dostoevsky, uh, the brothers Karamazov in particular, I realized that you can only have free will through God or through an outside source. I, you don't have to call him God. And once I accepted that, I remember going out to my, my religious friends. I, I'd always become, I was always very friendly. I never insulted them. I, I pat myself on the back about that. I never mocked them. I wanted to understand them. Maybe that's the reason why I was able to kind of open up the doors for myself. And I went to them and I, I said, I, I think I believe in God. And they were so happy for me. It was really sweet. It was a great moment. And they didn't say, I told you so, or mock. They didn't I, rub it in and go, hardly. oh, sucker, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was not like that, no. But, but it was so hard, Ari. It was like the withdrawal that you were talking about before. Very painful. And I and I and in, I knew I had to say the words out loud. I wanted to go there, and I said it. I said I think I believe in God, and 
And then the more I said it, the more I thought about it, the more I appreciated it. And then I thought, I want to discover this God guy. I want to go all in and learn about all the facets of it. And then I realized, well, if there is a God, and now I know that there is a God, a creator, then there can't be this pure evolution business. And I started studying pure evolution. I realized how, how shallow it is. I asked all the questions that you would expect to ask of somebody who really wants to delve into this. And the irony of it all, there's that word irony again, the irony of it all is that we theists, we people who do believe in God, a higher structure of some kind, ask far more questions than the atheist does. Far more. And the questions are related to the actual issues. We don't ask stupid, yeah, shallow questions right. well, that don't have anything to do with anything, like how will we keep even one child from going hungry in America? Oh, I uh, love that. Yeah. Right. Or, or the insurance thing. I, you know, well, we need to have uh, everyone insured, right? Like these are nonsensical. They're, they're non sequiturs. They don't belong in a discussion. Yeah, they're simply absurd. They're yeah. absurd premises because, you know, part of um, it, it's there's an incredible duality. Faith. Well, let, let, me, is, let me stop you oh. there because I want to hear what you're saying about the duality of faith. But it's like the argument to say, well, we can't allow airplane flights or flights of any kind so long as even one crash ever happens. Okay? We're not, we're not doing it. Done. So sorry. And, and we know, we set people on planes all the time knowing that there are going to be crashes. Knowing it. Yeah, we Hopefully not explorer, too many. We send explorers to space knowing some of them aren't coming back. That's right. Yeah. And yet we still do it, you know. Right. So, 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 when do we have a policy where it's it, it it's based upon even one child, you know, being less hungry? To use your example, anyway, go about the duality. Yeah, well, there's about. a duality, which is you know we have faith, and our faith is led by either just faith or faith and knowledge, you know, irrelevant, but it's there, and we have this faith in this supreme God being. But at the same time, we're utter realists and understand certain questions, despite the miracles of God, are absurd to ask and absurd to expect. You know, uh, the examples are myriad, but they're all brilliant. Airplanes, um, uh, space exploration, not being casualty free, uh, sending soldiers to war. Well, we can't have a war. If one soldier is dead. Right, exactly right. Oh, so we're going to let the Nazis just conquer? That's right. We're going well, to let ISIS just murder people because we might lose one soldier? Or cars on the road. I yeah. Mean, you know, the speed limit and everything else. It, there are consequences to having the cars, but you would never say, let's not have any cars because there are a few accidents once in a while. I think you brought up the example, Ari, of... Uh, I think there were 200 and, and something yes, people. Yes. Yes, in Los Angeles. Yeah, 216 um, accidents happened last year. And they're doing a program. And we've talked before about Year Zero in Cambodia and all that. They have a new Los Angeles traffic program called something like um, Traffic Zero or something. The, the communist verbiage is really disturbing. And they put out this, this uh, placard in a neighborhood where some of this stuff is going on. These changes to the roads to make them safer and utterly unusable because they don't fit the capacity of the city anymore. So there's maps of traffic jams, and they're basically saying there were 216 deaths in Los Angeles last year. By 2030, we're going to get that down to zero. <laughs> and I'm thinking, and this is a low-end estimate of the population of L.A., 
out of 4 million people, we only lost 216, and we're not celebrating that? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, how, ama- how amazingly safe that 39,994,000 uh, people arrived safely right. every day last year. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed with that number because, you know, considering the DUIs, which are criminal acts, yes. right? I mean, this is not just run-of-the-mill people running, you know, driving their, their cars, not looking carefully enough. DUIs are are serious issues. That's that's driving recklessly, right? Uh, you know, basically, it's almost it rises to the level of intention. So you would expect more than that number. Anyway, let's let's get back yeah, to that. Yeah, but the, the point is, in in how we talk about everything, is this speaks to the safety of cars, the competence of drivers, how great our roads really are, on and on yeah. and on. But to the unrealistic atheist who wants to control everything, right, out of faith to an absurd level, even that's unacceptable. Yeah, the, the, the atheist will not allow you to ask the question. Questions are dangerous for the atheist. They are very comfortable, uh, in, in, and just as, as liberals are, by the way, lefties are, they're very comfortable in being very adamant about their position. Okay, so you, you're against gay marriage, you're a horrible person, you deserve to die, okay? You, if, if, you, if you refuse to perform services for a gay wedding, uh, then you deserve to be enslaved and forced to perform for that wedding. Yeah, if you think a criminal should be shot by police on occasion, you deserve to have your building, business, home burned down, yes. and you deserve to be terrorized in restaurants, bars, or sports stadiums where you and your family congregate. Right. If you're against Planned Parenthood, then you're against women. You, you, you want them to suffer. You, you want them to be enslaved themselves, right, and to be sex slaves for that matter, uh, and to control them. That's who you are, right? And if you're against affirmative action, well, yeah, of course, then, then you're racist. These, these things are obvious to us, but this is the way they think. There, is, there are no questions that threaten the, the, the lefties or the atheist. Questions are not their friends. They are not interested in questions. They never have been and never will be. This is why, my friends, this is why, pay note to this, because this is a very a powerful statement. This is why the conversion rate always goes from the left to the right, okay? Because once you ask questions, you become conservative. Consequences and questions are very similar, right, in that sense. It's very hard to then go back to the left. It's like, you know, uh, with the genie out of the bottle, if you want to use that expression. Or better yet, it's like saying, I want to forget the language that I learned, right? I, I, I speak French. And I just say, well, I don't want to speak French anymore. I don't have to actually speak it, I suppose. You can't get that out of my head. I know how to speak French. Yeah, how do you... Un- <laughs> has you there ever been it? a human being to unlearn how to ride a bike? Yeah, that's right. How, how can as I a, As a bike it? expert, and I right. consider you a bike expert, yeah. uh, has there ever been a human being to unlearn how to swing a golf club? Well, golf is really hard, so yes. But the, the, <laughs> You can get rusty. Yeah, yeah. Some of these things are not unlearnable. Bike riding, how to walk, despite uh, you know not counting physical injury or something like losing a leg. Right. Uh, you, what a perfect point. It is impossible to forget a language. Right. And it's impossible to forget the process of questioning. That that's the same thing. Once you discover it, then it opens up this world, and you you start thinking like, well, somebody who actually thinks about consequences. And imagine that. And so that, that's why, so it's so rare. I'm not saying it's impossible. 
I suppose nothing is at zero, but you almost never see a conservative saying that he's now a liberal. I've never, I've, I think that's something, and we've discussed it before, you never do. It's impossible. I, I, look, the only you have people, to allow for the possibility. No, no, the only people who ever have are people who say, well, I was a Republican. Oh, or, good point. Or, you know, a, a political voting choice. But, yes. you know, as we've discussed, a political party does not mean you're really conservative. A conservative has a connection to a certain set of values and virtues and knowledge right. that is un. Bottleable if it's out of the bottle. Oh, right. I mean, you would have to start believing that things that you know don't work, that they work, whether it's affirmative action and all the other things we talked about, Obamacare, whatever. You, you would have to say, well, I'm just going to turn it all off and I don't have to think about these consequences anymore and uh, minimum wage and so on. Um, it, you, you can't get that out of your head. You can't start saying that minimum wage is going to leave uh, you know money, more money in people's pockets and it won't increase prices and it won't lead to illegal immigration and that it won't lead to innovation. It's too basic, right? Yeah. When has one conservative ever said, you know what? I'm done. I'm sick of it. I'm just going to stop acknowledging the horrors and crimes of communism and socialism. Right. I'm just going to forget the gulags ever happened right. and just embrace communism as year zero and yeah. forget it ever happened and that's, see if it works. That's why. That's why. And you'll love this. History is so dangerous to the liberal. He's terrified of history. That's why they will do everything they can to erase history, because history opens up the door to questions, right? Isn't this the same thing that Hitler did with Czechoslovakia? Isn't this the same way that we, re that we responded when Chamberlain went to Hitler? I mean, World War II is full of great analogies. Yeah, and such isn't like this. this the same thing Jimmy Carter did with Iran? Yes. Isn't this the same thing Bill Clinton did with North Korea? Right. And now they're both on the verge of being nuclear powers? Right. But you see, hmm. but you see, if you erase all that history, then you don't even have the opportunity to think about the similarities, to, to wonder about, you know, how, the, uh, how we didn't respond well enough in World War II and, and how we... We trusted Hitler, and we shouldn't have, and such. We, we just, if you, if you erase history, no worries anymore. You can just focus on this issue as if you're addressing it for the first time in history. And, and no worries, because if it fails, we'll forget that too. <laughs> that history, which is now presently the present, uh, will, will become history, and we, we'll ignore it. And how do we know that? Because every, it's very recent. I mean, the stimulus programs, right? There were, there were health care programs before. In fact, there are health care programs all over the world, all of which are failing, and yet we still do it here. No one bothered to ask, uh, at least among the lefties, well, let's see, where has socialist medicine ever worked in any meaningful way while at the same time encouraging innovation and great progress? The answer, nowhere. None. All the, all the socialist programs that you think work, and they don't, by the way, but all of them uh, just borrow all the innovation from America. Thank you very much. Right? That's it. You think the MRI would, would have been invented without America? And now they're using it in Italy and other socialist countries. Yeah, okay, that's great. But you need 
a non-socialist country to invent this kind of crap yeah, and need, these drugs and other yeah. and other great you uh, need, innovations. You need a non-socialist country to give you the Steve Jobs so all the socialists yes. can run around with his iPhones. And and then you have situations like the horrors of today in Venezuela where you and I know how they got there. We've been watching that history since Chavez took over in 1998. Yeah. Um, they, you know, our political opponents think that, oh, oh, look, a riot. How horrible. Yeah, it's all a surprise. I can't believe they're, they're having a riot there. Yeah. And we saw this jerk Chavez take over, and we immediately said to ourselves, uh-oh, we got a commie in the house. That's right. This is not going to end well. That's this exactly is right. not going to end nonviolently. Yeah. You know, it's... It, it, that story, the, the way they even present the, the news, and in Caracas today, the, first of all, if they even report it in the first place, they'll they'll talk um, about how it, you know there was a, these riots, and isn't that a um, they wouldn't even say it's a bad thing. Today there was people protesting Maduro. You, you you and I will say, here's the story of why it led up to this moment, right? Talk about determinism, right? About how one thing causes the other. We'll say, yeah. Here we are. You know, maybe it wouldn't have happened today. Maybe it'll happen next week or the week prior. But here it is. Here's the moment of people expressing their frustration with what, you ask? Wait for it. Wait for it. Socialism. Okay? And they don't report it. And here are the disastrous consequences of socialism today. Yeah. Right? They don't do that. They just say, here are a bunch of people throwing rocks. Cute. And this is the way it is also, of course, with Israel. When talking about I was about rocks. to say that, right. yeah. Today, Palestinians ride it on the Temple Mount. For some reason, we don't know why. Yeah, stuff is happening. Yeah. And, no, and they leave you to think that it's because the Israelis are mistreating the Palestinians as if somehow we're, we're their caretakers and such. No, here's the results of a society that has lived without democracy, that loves Sharia law, that abuses their women, that abuses all minorities— that abuse each other simply for being in a different family, that, 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 that feed off of hate. This is the result of it. And that's what you're seeing. But no, of course, of course they will never right. say and that. You know, one more th- point to add to that, Litany, you just said, which is just so, would be so brilliant, so useful if our idiotic news media said, here's a society that is really racist. Yeah. Real ones. Yeah, a, of course. Who hate Jews because they're Jews. But I would like, I, I would just like, the point is, I'd like to see a, a newscaster saying, all right, well, here we are. This is the inevitable result of the, these yeah. crazy people's policies and the way that they, they, and their culture for that matter. This is what you get. But no, it's it's only about what they're just seeing for that very moment, which means the erasing of history and the erasing of all questions, because that's the last thing a liberal wants to deal with. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.